0: Hey, And welcome to the podcast where we talk about creating experimental art in trauma-informed and sustainable ways That support artists, our communities, and our organization as a whole I'm your host, Micah, and you're listening to Any Other Anythings Another day, another evening with Any Other Anythings with Great Box Collective. We've come full circle. Uh, I am back with our amazing founder, Molly, um, whom I'm sure we all know by this point. Um, The beautiful mastermind behind uh, this collective of great individuals that I've gotten to chat with over the last few weeks. Um, And yeah, super happy to to be chatting with you again. I guess what I kind of want to kick the conversation off with really is just, um, where did the idea for Graybox Collective come from?
1: Ooh, <laughs> what an excellent question. Um, yeah, so like, like kind of, this is great. So kind of the origin story of Gray Box Collective, um, I think in many ways it started at least a decade before I actually founded Graybox Collective. Um, And so that comes out of my own experience, um, my own like Me Too experience before Me Too was a thing. And in 2007, I happened to get a job uh, on campus in undergrad where I was asked to combine the mission of the organization with the... uh, areas that I was studying, and so it was a um, victim's advocacy, for lack of a better way to say it, uh, department that I was working for, and I was studying dance and theater, and so I made a dance theater performance about sexual violence on college campuses, and that's really where, like, this whole journey started, and that followed me into my master's in education program, where I looked more deeply at the connection between the performer experience or the creative's experience and the audience experience and started to be able to, from a research standpoint, draw parallels. Uh, and then like cut to 2016, when I was finishing my MFA in dance at ASU, that's where I kind of formalized all of this work and created a, an umbrella of Gray Box Collective uh, for it to exist under. So, yeah, Um, those are kind of like the clues that that led to it over about a decade.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's wild. And I do love that. I feel like sometimes we have a experience that just kickstarts something or, you know, this these seeds that are just kind of planted in our hearts or souls throughout the course of time. And then as things continue to develop and as people continue to pour into us, like, more opportunities arise and then something's actually established uh, or something seen I guess is what we should really be saying right like we can finally breach yeah. the surface and like we're like we were able to share something uh with others which is uh yeah great it's beautiful what what has been built here um yeah. do you remember the first like gray box Collective project or like yeah what what was that experience like for you
1: yeah I mean technically in many ways what kind of like pushed forward the formalization of an organization around this work was that ASU wanted to hire us for um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month in April 2016. So it was like, ooh, shenanigans. I got to get like, I got to get a bank account. I got to get like everything in order. Um, And so that was really in many ways, the first project, I, I call it like our half season sure. uh, season. Cause <laughs> it, it wasn't really like a season. It was like, Hey, we were going to get paid. And I wanted to find a way to make sure that happened. Um, and like it was in the works already, but it definitely was kind of, uh, accelerated because of the opportunity. And then our first real performance, uh, was at the Phoenix Center for the Arts with a new box residency, summer 2016, the piece was called uh, I Am Enough. And that actually grew out of the previous performance where one of the performers was writing I Am Enough on a mirror. And it was like, oh, like that kind of feeds into it. Um, And that performance was focused on like shame culture, um, mostly around like being in a female body and what it is to be, in the US and and live live through all of that. Um, it eventually became, so this kind of circles back to what we were talking about prior to we're hitting record tonight. Um, I Am Enough became Fool Me Once, Fool Me Twice, which we had as an iteration in 2017. And then in 2018, we took that to Boulder Fringe Festival. Um, so back to what we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. To discover those those photos that I don't think I've shared with anyone, so I should do that. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that, I love that. It's it's kind of funny that, you know, you mentioned the, the French Festival and just that experience at Boulder, and now, like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, looking, well, it's, it's interesting because obviously everything kind of really got established in Arizona, built mm-hmm. through the community in Arizona, and now, especially with COVID, that reach has been extended through these digital platforms kind of across the U.S. and a little bit of an international reach now, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, it is is—it is really cool how, like you said, it was almost like you were kind of propelled into this rather suddenly, uh, which is, yeah. yeah, it's like both exciting, but also like, like you said, it's kind of like a no shit moment, like. Yeah. All right. Let's, this is real. This is happening now. Um, and sometimes that kickstart, that jumpstart is what we need uh, as artists or individuals to just really take those next steps that we've maybe been sitting on, but mm-hmm. just haven't quite indulged in yet. Um,
1: yeah. I feel COVID was very much that um, in so many ways. I think we would have reached this point of reconnecting with those of you who had left Arizona at mm-hmm. some point, but I don't think it would have happened you know, by season season seven, like that would be, I I don't know that that feels like it would not have happened if it wasn't for a global pandemic, yeah. um, and I think as we've kind of been emerging, I feel like more and more artists are talking about like I actually kind of needed like the world to shut down for a little bit, and I I'm getting more comfortable saying that as well. Like, yeah, I needed the world yeah. to shut down, um, yeah. and I think in many ways it. Per, your, your word propelled us forward even even more once again.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing. I I really do love that. Um so I'm actually gonna back up a little bit here. I don't think I knew you had a background in dance. I don't think I personally knew that you had a background in theater. Is yeah. there like a show that you've done like back in your theater days that like still like is close to your heart. Are you like, do you consider yourself a theater nerd? Are you more of a dance person? Like I am a little curious about that.
1: Okay. Um so I definitely love musicals. Um that was definitely a part of my life of I think from probably like what was it sophomore year of high school to through undergrad? Like yes, musicals were my thing. I still have a keychain of like all the different musicals and that's was, yeah, um, No way,
0: I love that, yeah, <laughs>
1: um, so musicals were definitely one of them, um, I feel like, so I went to the University of Maine and uh, partially, I studied theater in undergrad because I wanted to stay in Maine and I wanted to study dance and that actually was not possible, I couldn't major in dance in the state of Maine, um, and I was like, eh, theater is close, um so (laughs) that's how I chose my major
0: that's funny
1: Uh, (laughs) and um I was always kind of like the theater kid that was like oh I'm just gonna have like a 20 minute dance break in the middle of the show and that was how I kind of like ended up in dance theater was because I just kept sneaking in my dance studies into my theater work um and like that's where finger painting from grown-ups or for grown-ups came from um and Oh, a favorite show. Actually, what I was thinking of recently, it was just like a 10-minute, we had the underdog shows, which is like your intro to directing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was in one of those, it's actually in a few of them, but one was called, um, I think, Mental Reservation. And so it was basically about like lying without lying. It's like, oh, I'm just mm. going to say I did this with the mental reservation that I actually did this other thing. So like, mm. it's, um, kind of manipulative. Yeah. But it' was also one of those scripts that is like kind of your classic, like you just get the words, you really don't get the setting, you don't get characters. So I don't know. I find those really kind of the exciting scripts where it's like, what if we put this in like, I don't know, a hair salon versus like, you know, in a park or like where, how does that really change it by putting it into a new environment? So yeah, I think that it was a very uh, comedic piece. And I think it was probably the first real comedic piece I'd been a part of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I it's, it's, it's funny. It's interesting. Like hearing how, you know, like want to explore and like revel and dance how do I do it I guess theater musical theater let's go Uh, I love that that's great that's great I um (laughs) my story coming into theater myself was actually uh, a little sad I loved basketball I still love basketball um I like ran track growing up I played a little basketball growing up played a little volleyball growing up um and I remember trying out for the basketball team when I was a freshman was the only kid that didn't make the freshman basketball team, mm-hmm. and and my mom so sweet was friends with the theater teacher from like our church community, and like mm-hmm. uh, was like, oh, go we'll try out for a show. I think you'll really like it. Blah blah blah. And uh, you know, I moped over and auditioned and did the thing, and then fell in love, and uh, yeah, and then just like just kept going with it for some reason. I think art is a, is an interesting, I feel like you kind of alluded to it and just the way that you're talking about like your favorite show that and um, just some of the experiences of how, you know, Box was kind of built. Um, art is a very like, <laughs> interestingly vulnerable sector of like humanity. Um, I think that's why like we're so drawn to it. I think I was talking to someone else about just the idea of like how the most human thing of human could be is emotional, um, which is uh so funny and so interesting because sometimes we are like encouraged or you know discouraged I should say from feeling or showing emotion or being vulnerable or being expressive in that way. But then we're so drawn to art because that gives us the space or the room to express that um uh freely um and people want to engage with that. Um I think it's especially important just the way that you've uh, like i'm a really big fan of when people uh, have real intention and specificity behind the mission um and i i do love the phrasing of you know gray box collective's mission which is and and just the concept itself which is just creating trauma informed dance like the the awareness um and also uh, just yeah just spreading that awareness of mm-hmm. What does it mean to experience trauma? What does it mean to process it? What does it mean to deal with it? What does it mean to move through it? Um, and I think just that recurring theme and that specific specificity um is mm-hmm. really important uh, when it comes to anyone like <laughs> approaching any initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like i I wonder like when you are you know approaching a new project, I, I really do admire how you kind of you know, self-admittedly taken a step back and like really kind of let others um, share their their stories as well and kind of create even a further collaborative process. And, uh, and, and what I'm interested in is uh, with the shows that you've helped curate over the years, um, do you feel as though they've become less and less stories that you've personally resonated with? Or are they? do they resonate in different ways? Like, how do you feel it's evolved over time?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, there are so many ways I could take that question. Um, <laughs> um, I'll, I guess I'll start by just kind of tying it back into having listened to all the interviews that happened prior to us having this conversation tonight. Uh, it's amazing to me, just like my own brain function, I guess, of like, like, I think it was John, your, your talk with John, um, where they were bringing up like some of the, the processes, processes that they've been through. Um, and it was like, oh, I forgot we did that. Mm. And it, it's interesting, like how it has evolved. Um, and like every step of the way it, it, it has been very intentional of just like this subtle little shifting, Uh, how to adapt. um, Well, subtle shifting and like COVID definitely was a bigger shift, but um, yeah, it's interesting looking back. Like I got quite nostalgic listening to everyone's conversations um, and just thinking of all that we have done. Like season seven to me is like, like, damn, that's like a solid amount of time. Like we're closer to 10 than we are to anything else. And that's like, um and so in terms of like how has it evolved um i think when when it started for me it was more about like semi devised dance theater uh so starting with a bit more of a solid piece um like finger painting for grown-ups and even it's not that simple like there were pre-existing scripts that existed like that were collaborations of the ensembles that I worked with prior to. Mm. Um, And so for me, there is a lot of like carrying the stories of those who have been a part of these pieces prior to and kind of rolling it over. And then that kind of went out the window around 2018, which like, I feel like looking back on just four years ago, that's kind of when like everything went out the window in my life. (laughs) And so- um that's where it started to be like we're gonna start from scratch uh and you know 2018 and then we barely started season 2019 before COVID hit so then it definitely all went out the window um and I stepped back for for my own reasons just trying to kind of grapple with all that was going on and I think we're kind of getting back to that though um as we've got like the crumbs nuggets and muffins structure which i'll talk about just a little bit because that will make no sense to anyone listening to this other than those in season seven yeah Um, please yeah (laughs) so um kind of out of like thinking about what is your capacity for creativity at this point and thinking of how we've been going through this collective trauma and with trauma my lens, trauma-informed creative practices, like trauma and creativity do not inherently mix. Um, They can work really well together, but it's not like a match made in heaven by any means. And so one of the ways to kind of address that, like, and also meet the needs, I think, of an arts community where we all are doing the gigging lifestyle and there are times when certain gigs are taking more of our time and we don't have the capacity for real devised work. So crumbs, nuggets and muffins as a structure is about tapping into that devising process at the point that makes the most sense for where you are at during the season. And so my parallel is to pumpkin muffins. Like, are you roasting the pumpkin? Like, are you really going to make this from scratch? Are you buying like, the canned pureed pumpkin to make your pumpkin muffins, or are you doing store-bought? And there's no judgment or shame on whichever part you are at. It's about really being honest with yourself. What kind of capacity do you have for creativity? What kind of capacity do you have to engage with other humans? Um, And where do you want to plug into that process? And so I think that really does get back to kind of how it started of at a certain point, like if you're coming in at that nuggets phase, there is already some kind of structure that has been developed. Um, so that that is in many ways circling back. But I think with a different intentionality around it, um uh, more about meeting the needs meeting the, the needs of a community as opposed to I don't know, just like having a thing and working off of it,
0: yeah, like almost having a Preset precedent versus saying, "Hey, here are the phases. Where would you like to slot in?" And I actually really do. I personally love it, and I think uh, it that format in a in an artistic setting, specifically uh, specifically within the world of devised, uh, works, um, is honestly really really cool. Um, I know, for instance, like I am not a. I take it back. There are some phases in my life where I can create seemingly from nothing it's always from something but like I can kind of like create something from the ground up um but there are most days as an artist where um when I am collaborating that I feel like I do my best work when I am like coming in when there is some form of structure or like something that I can build off of I like describe myself as like a b actor sometimes because I can riff off of people all day Um, But when it comes to me having to, like, actually, like, establish and drive something, I'm like, oof, that needs a little bit of wind-up time, you're gonna have to bear with me, I'm gonna stumble through this, it's not gonna be cute uh, for the first little while, (laughs) um, but we'll try to make something work. Um, So, like, if I absolutely have to, I will, but, like, no, I I really do appreciate that, because it does um, give, it gives space for like taking care of your community, which is exactly what you're uh, mentioning before. Just like, um, you know, regardless of where you're at, no judgment. Um, whether it's at point A, B, or C that you enter the process, um, it's still a collective and collaborative process that we're we're creating together. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I love that. That's great. Yeah.
1: Well, and I kind of think of like devised theater as like what happens when a dancer makes theater anyways, Mm. because choreographers, dancers, we walk in a studio with nothing anyways. Maybe there's a song that we like, um, but for the most part, we walk in with nothing. And so I think it's very natural for dancers to end up in devised theater, um, but that being said, if you're used to either a choreographer or a director or a script or something being there, it's another way to like start to kind of eke towards what it is yeah. from nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, that is, I, I like that, that that idea of like, and I've never thought about it from a dancer's perspective, because like coming from a theater background myself, one thing that I actually don't like that much about the theater, the community, that's I'm still navigating as an artist myself. Is like, once you get into a lane as an actor or a director or a stage manager or whatever your lane is, a lot of people are just like, oh no, but that's where you're going to stay and just Mm -hmm. be your whole career there. Mm -hmm. There's no room for exploration or growth. And I'm like, for a world that is boundless because it is art. Why am I limited to this type of engaging in art, Um, which is, yeah, it's it's so strange, Uh, something I think COVID has shaken up a bit, Uh, but yeah, I think working in the world of dance, like that does make a lot of sense that you really do come in in a blank slate uh, every time and just kind of keep building upon each time you come back to the space, which I, I love that. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, well, and that kind of makes me think of what I feel has been maybe a common thread throughout half of the interviews y'all have mm. had of like that professional expert exploration.
2: Mm, yeah,
1: um, and it's true. Like you, you have to like pick a lane, and once you pick it, people are like, "Ah, that's your lane." And I think it's really interesting in in our Western society, I, I had a whole like, I don't know, journal entry about this a few years ago when I can't remember who it is. Some celebrity has like passed away and they're like, oh, an author and a cookbook and a actor and a this and a that. And it's like, okay, cool. So celebrities are allowed to be like multi-hyphenated artists and mm. real entrepreneurs in all these ways. Yeah. But like, what about the rest of us? And I, I think we get, pigeonholed or stereotyped or whatever and um it's really it's something quite I think fascinating in many ways that we can't hold the idea that people might have multiple interests or you know when you're when you're doing more on stage work it's like yeah I'm kind of ready to shift to behind the scenes like why can't we have that meandering evolution of our careers um and so I, I'm i glad to hear that it was kind of a theme throughout because it's something that I've also held uh, as a great value within the company that people can shift and explore. And I like, I don't give a damn what your degree is in or if you even yeah. have one. Like, <laughs> what do you want to do? How do you want to express yourself? Do it. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that. Um, okay, so given that we've explored like, you know, what was, what our current processes are, and, you know, uh, how we're navigating the world. I am curious, if you're willing to share, you don't have to, but I'm sure we would love it. Uh, What is, what's to come? What's, what's looking forward? What's going on with uh, this upcoming season? What what are you thinking, Molly? What's the future of Raybox Collective?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll go big picture, like real zoomed out version of the vision for gray box collective um and i think the the seedlings are already there and for me it's really become about in this past year or so as i've also like left my side gigs and chosen to go all in on myself um freelancing working for myself gray box collective is a part of that constellation um and so i'm gonna circle back, Um, I am part of the Producers Academy with the Beth Beth Morrison Projects um, based out in New York. And one of the questions they asked us in the interview process before being a part of the Producers Academy was how are you shepherding in the future of the performing arts? And so in preparation for that, I was like, well, what am I doing? and it's come down to to three things. Um, it is about ushering in the future of the performing arts is happening with how we are creating work, with the work that we are creating, and also how we operate as an organization as a whole. And so those are the three areas that I'm really digging into. Um, and it definitely started with the process first. Trauma-informed creative practices is what has oozed into everything else And, you know, if you change the process, the product, for lack of a better way to say it, is naturally going to change. And then, like, those, that process, that, those products, they can't exist in an organization that doesn't support also that, like, progressive forward thinking.
0: Um,
1: So it's, it's, whatever this is, um, (laughs) how do I describe this, like, this, like, Just ripple effect, maybe that's it. Yes, yeah. Starting with the process into the performances and then the organization as a whole. So that's really where I'm focused right now um, and being able to define and articulate that in as much detail as possible. Um, I think I'll leave it there for like the vision and where we're going. Yeah. Big picture, but yeah. I Um, love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I can talk more about like season three of any other anything's as well as season seven um, of the company in a little more detail.
0: Yes, I would love that. Um, cool. Let's yeah, let's dive into it. Let's season three. Yes.
1: Okay. So season three of any other anything. So, um, with season three, it's sharing responsibilities of interviewee and interviewer. So um, as Mike, as you're passing it back to me at the end of this season, I will kick off season three and pass it on to someone else to be doing the interview, who will then interview someone who then becomes the interviewer. And then it just kind of ripples in that way. Um, and also with season three, getting a little bit more, I don't know, structured, like we'll still go on tangents because that's existing in the gray, messy areas of life, but Being sure to create space in season three where everyone gets to really dive into their origin story. Um, With the work we create, it's non-linear, it's fragmented, it's fractured. So having this be a platform where y'all can be sharing origin stories and like, what are the clues that this is something you would end up doing in your life? Um, And then also thinking about like really maximizing everyone's time. Um, also in season three, because it will involve every single artist who's currently working on developing new work this season, uh, it will also be a chance to talk about the creative process and we will multitask, not multitask, maximize um, those interviews by allowing that to also fold into like all the behind the scenes mm. footage that we'll put on social media and on our Vimeo account um and then of course there'll be that like any other anythings where people can dive into whatever i yeah. loved how much music was talked about yeah um and i think i like I, i'm actually i think about half of y'all are very heavy into music yeah um, yeah <laughs> so that, that's really cool um and okay yeah so that's season three of any other anythings um And then as we're in season seven, we're developing new work, which you were technically a part of the first iteration of back in 2017, Understanding Otherness. Mm. Uh, And I think it'll be, I don't know, I'm curious to hear kind of your thoughts of revisiting that content as we're working on both the digital side and the in-person side.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's kind of multifaceted in a sense. Uh even just what you said there like the digital and the in-person side is already a new element of like like how do you understand that sort of otherness <laughs> of like exploring uh these new um avenues of artistic exploration and uh you know collaboration and sharing. Um I think that we've been able to expand our reach um and stay connected Uh, but also explore new ways to uh, understand otherness. Uh, I think the timing of bringing this back is uh, especially important. I feel like, you know, COVID was a very interesting time because it's like, it it was a double-edged sword where we really got to be, the, the country as a whole, the world as a whole, really got to become really introspective and say like, what do I need? What do I value? What can we do to navigate this, you know, pandemic era together? Um, We were able to uh, realize that there are ways to sustain ourselves in ways that we otherwise would never have given a second thought to, which is causing the world as a whole um, and a lot of individuals to start giving a lot of second thought to, well, if we could make changes to this, what else can we make changes to that we just have accepted by default, uh, just because that's the way it is. Um, And I think with a lot of that, there's a lot of abrasion that comes uh, as things are being tested and challenged. Um, There unfortunately has been a little bit less grace that's been given to each other. Um, And I think a little less like patience or understanding, um, which is a little bit ironic because we just came through an area where we were all kind of forced to be patient with uh, the world and one another and that timing. Um, But I think, yeah, the timing of this is especially important now because, um, you know, especially with tensions in both like political, personal, like, you know, mental, you know, the world as a whole is in dire need of that understanding, whether you agree with someone else or not, just being able to fundamentally understand like where they're coming from, see a new perspective, and have enough patience with yourself and with others to um just engage in a in, in helping provide a healthy space um like there's definitely limits like set that boundary for yourself if you need to cut something off cut it off that's fine um but i think uh, at least being willing to make the effort to understand that otherness is, is especially important so i'm super excited to Uh, explore this um, more, especially this day and age. Um, I don't think it'll ever not be relevant because there's always something else, you know, Um, even as much as we expand our worldview and our experiences in our life, there's always going to be more. (laughs) Um, There's never a time in our lives where we will be all knowing. (laughs) So um, yeah, I I think this is, I'm I'm super excited uh, for this.
1: Yeah, yeah, same. Um, and the conversation we had this past week in our digital rehearsal was like, oh, it was so good, um, because we got into the messiness of mm. other otherness and othering. Yeah. Um, where I think we didn't really, I think we went like way too extreme in the first iteration. Um, yeah. I think we also dug into like hate culture a little bit more. Yeah, we did. This yeah. Time, yeah. This mm. time really trying to hang out in the like gray messy area of life mm-hmm. um, and we talked about what is it you know to be othered or also to like other ourselves when we're trying to separate ourselves from a group yeah Um like if we discover that either a work environment or social circle is no longer supportive to us like hmm. there is that separation right yeah yeah and it goes back to boundaries which I feel like everyone's talking about boundaries now so um. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah I love that I love that um yeah yeah that's it's super exciting it's really um uh, just fun being able to kind of revisit these concepts kind of look in retrospect of like okay how is this interpreted at this stage of Greybacks Collective how can we re this um in a uh in a new way and with with a new perspective which I think is honestly one of the greatest things about like these revisitations of these concepts that we, you know, produced in the past is just having a a fresh take or a new conversation uh, regarding the same theme Um, because it really does just lend itself to so much newness um, or just re-exploration, I should say. So yeah, I I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I guess at this point, um, I would, I, I have, I think I have two more things I wanted to ask. The first one is actually, uh, I I keep doing this backwards, but if there is one exercise that you like, whether it's as a individual, an artist, a mover, a dancer, um, musical theater lover, um, what's one like grounding or like cool down or like centering exercise that you found extremely like helpful um, in your artistic journey?
1: Yeah, Um, great question. Um, in terms of like kind of talking about like what is that wrap up, how to like kind of bring a somewhat satisfying closure to whatever, yeah. Um, for me, in the creative work that I'm doing, um, there's always some kind of like ritual of like putting things back in their place, and like the cleanup process to me is very much part of that, um, and even like I approach business as a creative practice as well at this point and mm, yeah when I'm working on stuff like I light a candle and when I'm done like blowing out the candle like we're, we're shutting it down
2: yeah um,
1: yeah I definitely need much more like active kind of closure I don't do well with like sitting with my thoughts or anything like that mm. um, but yeah something something that very much signals to myself like all right we're done um it's very important
0: to me yeah that's awesome I I love that that's really cool um yeah I I love I'm a big fan of candles so like that that imagery to me of just like having kind of like I don't want to say ritualistic but just something to kind of symbolize the starting or the igniting of something and then just like Mm -hmm. that release is it's really really beautiful I love that uh, sentiment Mm-hmm. Um, and cool. And then my actual favorite question is Are there any other anything?
1: Yes. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I just like as I was listening to the previous episodes, there, were, I mean, a lot came up for me. Um, yeah, just a, a couple things that I kind of want to either reiterate, amplify, yeah, contextualize something. Um, one is what i i wait which one do i want to do first I'll, <laughs> I'll do that one second okay um the first thing is i think it was you and adam maybe started this conversation um mm. um and i think you said micah like artists that went against the green like in the face of diversity and saying yes anyways and you're talking about that um and like this resistance to change but also seeking novelty and like mm-hmm. what is that human experience and for me like that's a huge part of the structure of trauma-informed creative practices mm. is like really rigid predictable framework where we can like we have that rhythm we know what to anticipate because there are those very predictable steps mm. Yes. We keep novelty by letting things be really fluid within each of those steps. Yeah. Um, and finding finding a way to have both the predictability as well as the novelty is something that um, is really important to me. Um, yeah. And so I don't remember exactly what context y'all had it in. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, the- I. It's very loud for me
0: i I yeah, I love that no, that was that was a great uh a moment that we kind of explored a little further there. yeah, I don't remember exactly what instigated or like uh, you know uh, ignited that that portion of the conversation, but yeah, there I really do believe there is something to just that <laughs> that irony of like seeking change, but also when change comes uh we're we're hesitant to like do it right away, like we're like, oh, but. What I have is already secure, or you know, like even so even me, like just finally letting go of this day job that I've had uh, you know remotely in the states, even though it's not what I want to be doing full time. um, I've just been holding on to it for so long because I'm like, okay, I have this physical security. Um, it doesn't it doesn't always leave me the flexibility in the room to fully explore the other things that I'm starting to get more and more opportunities to actually fully explore. It is a bit of a leap of faith, which is, I think something that folks are a little bit afraid of from time to time, myself included, um where it's like, okay, this could fail. It's a risk. It's a risk. Um, and is it one that we're willing to take? So I think that a little bit of that kind of derived from there. But then, yeah, especially the the artists' particular particularly um, or just anyone really that just stands out uh, in society is because they said yes in spite of everyone saying you shouldn't or can't do this um, and I I just love that because it's like you know it's just a reminder that even, even though there are so many times in our lives as individuals where you know people will be like I don't think you're the best for this or the best for that it really is irrelevant there's always going to be someone who disagrees with you but there's always going to be people who really love what you do as well which I think is also really interesting where there's this polarizing difference of like there's this chunk of the world that like will really resonate with what you shared or created and then there's other parts of the world who just given their lives and their experiences won't resonate with it. And that's okay. Like there's, I don't think there's any one person in this world that will fully resonate with every other individual in the world. And I think that's something that we need to uh, like remind ourselves from time to time. So, and again, give ourselves that grace. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, i love yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's great. Um. Yeah, that was
1: just, I think one of the, conversations that I was like oh it's like I don't know it was very like reaffirming in many ways of or another way to think about um, some of the structure and all of that and my second point is also like another another way that like season two really kind of drives home one of my points about um, how we create and that is um, like Season two, like this season two of any other anythings, like it could only exist in this way with you leading it, with you doing the interviews with everyone. Like there, there, as soon as you change the ingredients in the space, like everything shifts, mm. and that's something I've always felt in a rehearsal room, and I think season two is of. The podcast is actually just like a really streamlined way to explain that like the conversations you all had like those conversations I've had conversations with everyone that you've had we've never talked about music in the way that like you all did um, or just like all the other different inroads and such um, where the conversations meandered and I think that's really important and um, like who's in the room matters Mm. spaces in conversations is this and um, I hope that's something that people really like take from this um, and and see and see like I think in the arts especially with that theater background like everyone's replaceable right yeah <laughs> like, we'll get another Juliet we don't mm. care Um, but that's not how it works in these kinds of spaces. Like there is no other Micah there is like, you know, like everyone's wholly unique and that energy, that presence, that vibe that is brought to the space completely changes everything. Um, and so, yes, um, thank you for, for everything with season two. I really, um, really loved it.
0: Yeah, I I really and truly appreciate that. One thing that you actually just reminded me of that's something that actually uh, really resonated with me that started happening in a couple of conversations. I was trying my best not to like force it into each conversation because I didn't want to, but like it came up in two or three conversations at least where just this idea of when it comes to adding your piece into whatever the devised work is, where everybody really felt like they were another layer that was being kind of added or another chord or like another note that would be added to the chord or like another like you know fruit on the tree or like whatever the case may be like everybody felt that I think one thing that was very consistent throughout the whole process and I think you do a really fantastic job facilitating this space. Um, I know when I worked on my first project with Great Boss Collective I think you know as we were moving and I think that was one of the ones where it was kind of a semi-device where we had some sort of like concept and you know framework and then we just kind of built on top of that but when it came to the building on top of that it was like hey what do you feel good about like what's your what would you bring to the table if you could to this work and like being able to say like I like words and like <laughs> be able to write some words that you know we, we incorporated into the storytelling and you know Adam like working in his music um with uh you know the the pause um, collaboration that I worked with them on and like all of these things where like we could have our unique stamp on the work that we did that again like you said there is no other Adam there is no other Molly there is no other Chasity uh, mm-hmm. it like all of these individuals do make up the collective that is Graybox Collective which I I really do um yeah I I love uh, just that that imagery and that Truth um being consistent throughout the the iterations of what what we've uh, produced so far. So yeah, I, I I really resonate with that. That's great.
1: Wonderful. Um, can I ask you like now that we're at the end of season two, any yeah. other things on your end?
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I am. You know, you inadvertently like reaffirmed a um a passion project that I've had just in my heart for a while like I have wanted to kind of create like a collective of my own like to hope um, and it's really because it's back to the the lane thing where I don't like those lanes and I I wanted to do two things I wanted to create a space for artists that we could like basically treat them like employees of like a corporation basically where we don't have to contract and it's just like hey here's your salary. we're like doing it and we're doing creative things and sometimes it's admin work and sometimes it's uh you know performing and sometimes it's directing Uh and sometimes it's this and that so like um I recently actually got today approved for like um because I got my permanent residency here in Canada and um I got approved to actually start like applying for grants here and such and um I uh, I was like, man, I think in the new year, I'm going to start, like, applying for grants and, like, trying to really, like, lean into building out, you know, this thing. So I might actually be reaching out to you very soon here um, mm-hmm. to, like, pick your brain to, like, mm-hmm. you know, see how this all works because I do, like, this, this, um yeah, this experience with Graybox Collective for me has really evolved in ways that I never thought it would. Um, you know, when I first got involved. Um, And it's, it's really uh, lovely kind of seeing everything like really grow. And I loved when you were just like, Oh, yeah, it's great. I'm literally freelancing that like my art is my life is my work is my sustenance. And I, I am like, you know what, that's just even a further sign for me to actually just jump into this full, full fledged. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I have flashes of doubt, but I'm just like, you know what, Trust the process. We're gonna right. work through it. We're gonna put in the work and the effort and the energy. And uh yeah, I'm I'm really excited to move forward uh with this. It'll be a long haul. It'll probably be a decade before I actually like breach the surface, but still like just being yep. able to take those steps forward, I think is mm-hmm. just such an exciting um time. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's my that's my anything. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful.
1: Thanks for sharing.
0: Yeah, oh, not that's a problem. Exciting. <laughs>
1: and I have, I already have like a ton of thoughts we can talk about it some other time I love but, it yeah. I love it yeah.
0: I'm excited cool. all right well sweet I guess that's a wrap it's been a joy I love this
1: yeah. yeah so great thank you so much Micah for for taking this on and and for all the interviews and your words throughout all of them really yeah. appreciate it
0: it's honestly been my pleasure I have truly enjoyed this experience and will be revisiting it again so it'll be great <laughs> Wow. <laughs>
1: Hey, listener, thanks so much for taking the time and energy to listen to this episode of Any Other Anythings. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to find out more about this podcast, the speakers, and Graybox Collective. You can also go to grayboxcollective.com slash podcast for a full transcript of this episode. Thanks again for listening and take care of yourself.